Good morning, gentlemen. Welcome back to the stream. Man, I didn't sleep well last night. I was, uh, I'm getting, I, I get this way on the eve of these uh, big exciting things, going elk hunting or on a big fishing trip. And with the race tomorrow, uh, we're super excited about that. So if you're just joining us, we are uh, the whole, uh, we're loading up, uh, heading down the road, uh, not too far from here, uh, Jack and I to compete as a father and son team in a, uh, an enduro race on our dirt bike. So we'll, we'll morning, work. Gentlemen. Oh, volume. We'll work as a we'll work as a team. Uh, we'll have a transponder and go round and round. So we're excited about that. We got all of the rigs all pulled out. So Mrs. W is going to be helping out. So we've got the camper loaded up for her. We've got um, the the snow bike trailers. We pulled that stuff out and put. We're going to set that up for Moto today just to have a shop where we can kind of get in out of the cold. The bad thing is going to be, or one of the worst things is going to be, is uh, the night ride. It's going to be uh, in the 40s, the low 40s, uh, all night long, and we'll have to be riding Jack and I. So we'll have to <laughs> try to figure out how we're going to keep our hands warm and all that. So Mrs. W is putting together some uh, hot drinks and, and thermoses of soup and such. So it's going to be super fun. I'm going to take the, uh, the Starlink modem, uh, and we'll see if we can't get a Wi-Fi hotspot set up there. We're going to have quite a, a pit and camp. Uh, I'll take the big generators and maybe we can just set up and just have a live stream going. How, how about that? A t the first ever 24 hour Wrangler Star live stream while Jack and I are going round and round and uh, it might be fun. So we'll see. I'll, I'll try. I'll take the equipment. I make no promises. You know how I am with this technology, but um, yeah, it's going to be great. So let's get our lantern started. We get to use our box for the first time today. We'll get a fire going and I don't know where that's going to take us. Today we've set aside the whole day for uh, prepping for this. So um, what we're gonna do is, when, I, when I'm setting out to do something like this, there's so many moving parts and so many things that are easy to forget that one, one oversight, you, know, you, you don't bring gasoline for a bike or something, and everything is gone. You know, there's no one to rely upon but myself. So I'm really systematic with this. So what we're gonna be doing today is we'll basically set up the whole pit uh, how we're going to set up, how we're going to move, and what we're going to do for bike exchanges and stuff, and make sure we have all the equipment. We have equipment for riding at night versus equipment for riding in the daytime. Yesterday, we upgraded Jack's bike. We put a, a super bright uh, race light on. I already had one on mine so that, that he's not at a disadvantage at night. And It's going to be super fun, super, super fun. I, I, I can't wait. But that Hudson Bay start, if you're not familiar with that term, it, it's uh, just the idea what they used to do when they were about to go out into the Yukon or so, they would go out a day's journey, they would camp, go through a 24-hour cycle, and that would point out their deficiencies. So when you set up, start the generators, make sure everything's working, you have the tools that you need, you have extra wheels, tires, and such, we'll set that up today, and I'll do, I'll, I'll shoot, so I'll be uploading some content on that, so I don't know, I'll fit it in when I can. All right, shall we get started? Let's get our lantern going, and then we'll get a fire started. Mama Kitty is very much enjoying these live, live streams. It's amazing how smart they are. I've been trying to get these things started at 8, but that has not been happening. My mornings have been so busy, so we'll just keep going and we'll settle in at a time that works. And, but I, when I come in here, she immediately is over here making a bunch of racket, uh, wanting uh, up on her chair and her blanket. So. Just for fun, I uh, yes, I think it was ye yeah yesterday, day before yesterday. We didn't light this yesterday. I filled it up 
pumped it up to 30 times like we always do and just let it run and forgot about it. And I was working outside. We were unloading all of that, the steel shed and such. And I came back in and I was filling up the stove and it was seven o'clock at night. And believe it or not, that uh, lantern was still going from, I only pumped up the tank one time and it was still going. It's absolutely incredible. We have some, uh, some members coming in. We have uh, Zach's, Zach Sav does stuff. Uh, who's got a or comment, he and Zach says, have you discussed why you've transitioned into live streams and not regular videos? Sorry, I've missed it. No, not really. Um, well, maybe I did. I don't remember. I think we talked about it. Uh, we're just trying it out. I've, I en enjoy it. It was something that I thought maybe we could just, if we could get a permanent stream set up here and I just turn it on for my morning rituals. I don't have to do a lot of preparation, so it's not a, a big burden for me. It's just I've been setting it up and taking it down and trying to figure out what's going to work best uh, once I, once we determine that, and if you guys like it and it's worth doing, we'll just maybe just mount up a couple permanent cameras, and then we could just kind of come in, turn on the switches, and everything would be simple. So we're just trying stuff. You know, when you do this for 10 years, Zach, or 12, I guess I've been uploading on YouTube for 12 or maybe probably closer to 12 years. Um, you know, th things can get a little tedious, and it's fun to change things up, and I like this format. I think the main reason we, we discussed last time was the, co the content that I, cons I consume, that I enjoy uh, on YouTube is mostly live streams. Uh, I, I like that. I like, the, I like the ability to interact. I like the feeling of what it feels like to be there in real time because it's cool right now. We're hanging out and this is real time. This is really happening in real life. You know, we're going to start a fire here and to be able to converse back and forth. I think that's fun. So I, I'm not going to not do the long form content. Um, I'm just may maybe we'll do both. No, John, my feet are not cold. It's incredible. You wouldn't believe it, but this, there's a, about a 12-foot radius around this stove that if I light the fire every day, it never, it never cools down. You, I'll, I'll walk in here, kick my clogs off, walk right over here, and you can just feel the temperature of the slab changing as you get right into the stove. Right now, it's warm. It's warm on my feet, and the fire's been out you know, for hours and hours. It's raining outside right now. I'm, I, I sure hope it doesn't rain for that race. That's going to be really, really miserable. I was thinking about power and how, uh, how, I, want to, how I want to supply power to all of the needs that we're going to have up there. Check this out. Oh, my production just went down here. Come on now. It's amazing how you can touch a computer and everything goes south. And I've got, um, I've got the EcoFlow generator. I've got an EcoFlow permanently mounted into the snow bike trailer, and that runs that for several days, no problem. So we're just gonna, I'm just going to load up the big Honda, and we're gonna, we'll just power the whole thing. Maybe our neighbors even want to throw a cable on there. So that, that Honda 7000, it's big and heavy, but it rolls pretty good. So I think what we'll do is we'll put the snow bike or the motos in and then we'll roll that big generator in there and, and it'll just run in the back nice and quiet. We won't, hear it. we won't even hear it. We'll have no power issues. We have a super sticker from Elijah store. Shout out to you, Elijah. Thank you very much for supporting the stream. And we have a super chat from Isaac Leonard and Isaac, uh, 
ask, or any thoughts on Wisconsin? Well, I've been to Wisconsin. I thought it was quite nice. Uh, good cheese, decent cheese, nice people. Uh, I don't know, what else do you want me to say? <laughs> Isn't Cabot cheese from Wisconsin? I think it is. I think when we were in Wisconsin, we went into Cabot and that was delicious. So good folks, Midwest folks, of course, are, the, are some of the best folks in the world. And I've always said, if you want to have a woman that's gonna, most, the best chance of standing by your side and being low maintenance, get yourself a good common sense Midwest woman. That's what you want. They won't give you aggravations. They're not gonna give you near as much drama. They might carry a little bit extra weight, more weight than you're used to, but it's worth a trade-off and not have to worry about your woman running around when you're at work, right? So <laughs> Midwestern, Midwestern women are where it's at. Stay away from women on the coasts at all costs. Uh, we have a super chat from Kyle B. Sorry, Kyle, I missed you there. And Kyle B writes, um, hello from no coast here in Oklahoma. There you go, Oklahoma. Probably good wife material from Oklahoma as well. That's where my granddad is from. He told me what town he grew up in there, but I don't, or the closest town, I don't remember what it was. He never, after moving to Oregon, he didn't show any interest in moving back there at all or really visiting. So that in itself told me what I needed to know about Oklahoma, I guess. Let's get this guy going here. Boy, my switching cables can't get here fast enough. I've been putting some miles on this roller cart going back to give you guys this high production. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Of course, we're spilling. Goodness. Even I can spill a no-spill funnel. I don't know how to explain it. I try. I try not to spill liquids. I, I changed the oil on my 300 yesterday. I tried, I even got a little special uh, uh, oil changing tube that screws on. So you lay the bike on the side and, and so you're supposed, guys show it on the video. They never spill. Like this is the best thing ever. Anyone can use it. We never have any more problems. What did I do? Wind blows in from the shop and blows the thing over and it spills all over the ground. Anyway, so I don't know. I don't, I don't know what else to say. Did I forget my lighter? Did we put a light? I got to get a lighter in here. Oh, I did. Finally, I remembered. Goodness, we've got a super chat from our friend Isaac Leonard. Goodness, we got switching. We're switching. There we go. Isaac, thank you for that. Uh, Isaac writes, Snap-on, Milwaukee, both from Wisconsin. That is really true. That, that's true. Yeah, it's like the last, the last of the true American uh, manufacturing is really in that area. You know, I, 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 you know, I've went, I've had a hot and cold relationship with Snap-on. I was always really hot on them because my granddad used them and I bought my first set out of high school and they were excellent. And then, you know, the tool market kind of changed and you're kind of looking at that model like, oh, maybe that's old fashioned and maybe that company, maybe that's not worth it anymore. And I can get the same thing at Harbor Freight, but then you find out you can't. So, you know, I, 
it's tough. I, I the, when you look at the prices of Snap-on, it's ridiculous. But you do have to remember that it's it's being made as the best it can be made, and you're employing uh, good families that are getting. You know, these are wages the guys, the ladies and men are making that can support a family for these companies. So I take I don't know. Do what you're going to do. We have a super chat from Patrick Page. Thank you, Patrick. Shout out to you. And he says, uh, what do you think about bore cutting versus chasing the notch when felling? Also, uh, hello from Illinois. Now, I did that a little bit, the bore cutting. So what, Patrick, I've actually got a video on that. I, when I was testing with the U.S. Forest Service uh, for my qualifications of a Sawyer, there's three ratings. You know, there's a one, two, and three, or A, B, and C, whatever. And the lowest rating it will say that you're proficient to use a chainsaw for brush cutting, but no falling of any timber at all, I think. So you can get in there and you can swamp out and you can brush cut and you've got the safety, the training for that. The next level, you can do a limited amount of falling up to a certain diameter and a certain difficulty. I think it's no snags, but whatever. There's a particular set of criteria you have to meet. And the third and the highest class belongs to the the best cutters and most of the guys you'll see doing that come out of the logging industry and have a lot of tons and tons of experience they're able to handle anything any situation any type of tree trees on fire all of that you know they're they're pretty well squared squared away um, and when we were doing that class they demonstrated that method and we actually had to do it to pass it uh, the bore cutting method and you know, I haven't used it since I remember in my head kind of how it worked and you how you left the holding wood and such But I I'm not the expert on it. I'd have to go back and even watch my own video just to see what how I did that but um, It's it, it's interesting and there's particular situations that I don't really understand where uh, That's a better way to fall than the just doing the regular notch But I don't know I, that's an interesting question we have a super uh, super sticker from James Murphy. Thank you, James. Shout out to you for your generosity. And we also have a, a comment with, or no comment, just a super chat from Nathan Aslan. Thank you, Nathan. Oh, and Nate, best battery chainsaw. I have not looked into that. You know, there's good resources on YouTube. One of my favorite channels is uh, Project Farm. You guys have all seen his videos. He does such an awesome job and it's such a great resource. I feel bad, I watch most of his videos, but sometimes I feel bad that when I'm researching something, like I'm, I wanna get an electric chainsaw or who makes the best motor oil or all the interesting things he does, I'll just skip to the end and look at the chart because he sums it all up and then you can make a decision. And he gives a really good breakdown. Sometimes it'll say, uh, this one's the best, but it costs three times more than the other one. So this one here is almost as good as that at a lower price. So this is the one you might want to look at. And he doesn't really give his, put his opinion in too much. He he's really uses a scientific method. He does a great job. So I would probably steer you to someone more like that that's actually had hands-on. I've only used two. I've used the, the Makita with the dual 18 volts, and it was really good. I own the big DeWalt, and that's been super good. Most people... We've done some firewood days where I've had all of the saws out and people kind of, kind of come over and test it, or just you pick them up and use them. Most people who are not really familiar with saws, they love that electric chainsaw and they grab that and they say, well, I was afraid to use a chainsaw before, but I'm not now. So what would I recommend? Just go, just go look and see, uh, you know, 
some of the guys like Project Farm, if they've done a review on that, and that would that'd be better than anything. I, I don't know. I, I just don't know. That's what I would do. We have a super chat from James Murphy, and James writes, um, must have equipment for first-time ranch owner just getting started. My goal is to create a self-sufficient lifestyle for my family and myself. Must have equipment. I guess it depends on your budget. We have, uh, my friends and neighbors, we have talked about this, or asked this question a lot, went round and round, and if we're talking about like power stuff, equipment, it, it, we're not talking about tools here, but we're talking about uh, equipment. If I were to move on here and I had some money to buy some things and I had to make hard decisions, the first thing that I would probably get would be a side-by-side. -side. I think the side-by-side -side is really important. Get something that's got a good payload in it that will dump uh, get something that you can haul people around too. It's really fun when you, if you're built, doing a homestead or if you've got, you've got a few acres, people and friends will always want to come out and see and they're just interested in it. To be able to have uh, an extra row of seating where you can take people around and show them around is really enjoyable. I, I, I would uh, definitely do that. But I would probably do that, start with that, and then I would be looking at a, a chainsaw and a wood splitter. You know, you'd be thinking about you know, what are the things that you need to have to be self-sufficient? Do you have water? Deal with the water first. If you, have a if you have shelter there, you need shelter first, obviously. But I'm assuming you have a house or you're going to live in a trailer or something. But deal with the water first. Get that sorted out. Get a well drilled if it's not already there. And I would really look into a simple pump to be able to have the ability to pump that water out or like the solar one that we did uh, and have an independent water supply where no matter what happens, you are good and you'll be able to take care of your family. That's, that's a big one. Uh, next, you have to have a building of some sort. Wouldn't be a bad idea. What most folks out here, what they do is they'll buy a piece of land Maybe they don't have enough money to build yet, but they're moving in that direction. And they'll come out with either a trailer or a camper. Just buy something secondhand. You don't need anything fancy. Then they'll build a shop. Build a 40 by 60, build a 40 by 40, 20 by 20 if that's what you got, right? And then you move your camper inside there. And now you've got uh, electricity. You get the power out there. So you've got your water plumbed in there. And then you could, a lot of people will just do a temporary shop or apartment upstairs. So do a mezzanine where you cover, you know, put a floor in at 10 feet, half, half of your shop, and then you can work under there and you've got a lower ceiling that you can put lights on. You don't have to deal with that high, the high bay stuff and then build that apartment up there. And, and then you guys live in that, you live in that. And then maybe you stay in there for a year or two until you can get figured out what you want to do for a house and then you build your house. And what's cool about that is now you move into the house, you've got a fully functioning functioning apartment that you can rent out and bring some income in that would probably take care of the majority of your property payment. Or you have a spot when your uh, mother-in-law comes that you can, she can stay there or, or family or what have you. So that's kind of the, the formula that works for a lot of folks. We have a super chat from Mayors Forged and member. Shout out to you. And uh, he says, love the videos. One question. I have is as a man who is about to get married, how can I start my own homestead here in Texas with land prices the way they are? Well, I mean, the sad, it's all location, location, location. Is that what they say? The sad fact is you have the money that you have. That's what you have to deal with. So I was just having a discussion with someone here locally that was faced with the same situation. Younger, uh, you know, renting now, but wanting to get into their own place and but but wanting to live in an expensive area like like this with high land values 
you know, and what I said to them was, well, that's fine, you want this, but the reality is, is you don't have the ability to do that right now. So that means you're going to have to get further out. So the solution is you got to take a hard look at what are, what, what are my resources? What am I bringing in? Uh, can I do it from home? Can I do it from this land? Do I need to be near a city? You know, so you have to, resources have to be looked at first. And then once you decide that, then you start looking at property. What's in your, your budget? What percentage of your income can you devote towards this? And you need to go further and further and further away until land prices uh, hit that threshold. I mean, that's just, that's just the hard facts of it. Don't to make hope your plan. Don't decide, well, I'm going to uproot. I'm going to pull up everything. I'm going to remove myself, sever my ability to make a, an income to provide for this project uh, in hopes that I'll find something or get something going in this area. Um, that's what you don't want to do. So have a plan and work towards it. Get with your wife and figure out what you realistically can do and, and just go that route. It's hard to answer those questions uh, mayors without knowing the area and, and what you have, what you have to work with, what your skills are, but just be realistic about it. We have a super chat from our friend of the channel, Igor. Uh, Igor writes, uh, do you worry you lost your core content with all the money, tools, equipment, now you mostly buy it instead of make? Yeah, I think about that all the time. And I have, I've actually been given a lot of thought to that of, of late about uh, it's a natural cycle. Once I kind of got into it and started reading about a little bit about of it and managing money and the psychology of coming into money, what often happens if you come from just the average family, I would say we just came from middle class and there were times where we were below middle class when my dad got hurt and wasn't able to work. And I've, I've said before, my mom had to go uh, get government cheese and you know we had, we had that for a while, green stamps I think they used to be. Uh, so I never had anything. We never were able, we never bought new cars. We never bought, uh, bought very little, didn't eat out very much. Uh, we shopped most of our clothing or at least half our clothing was purchased at, at thrift stores and it was not a big deal. It was just a different time then. And there were a lot of people in that situation. All of our neighbors were, we were all in that same situation and there wasn't any shame or stigma attached to it. It was just the way life was. It was just simpler in those days. So, um, and I struggled just like everyone else, worked construction, worked by the hour, had my own business, and you know, and that, that was never super profitable. It was always just feast and famine, like construction is, you have or you don't. And then um, got into, uh, you know, I started my eBay business and got, started making, started seeing bigger chunks of money for sure, but it was an expensive business to run. And as soon as the money came in, the money went out, you know, so that I never really experienced it there either. And then YouTube, um, and that was a grind too. I was trying to do YouTube for years, five, six years uh, hard, where I was doing YouTube almost full time, as well as running my Jeep parts uh, while we were homesteading and that whole transition, was just working hard and grinding and grinding, uh, sacrificing, doing the work of two people as well as Mrs. W, logging, and the whole time, from the time I married her and met her, I was running my businesses, uh, keeping my wife at home, uh, taking care of my family, and trying to get things going, trying to get YouTube going on that. So if someone, and I don't know what the spirit of this comment is, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to assume that you're, you're coming with a must-be-nice type of a comment. Maybe you are, maybe you're not, but that does not have an effect on me. 
there's nothing any one of you can say to shame me about the way th- I, the decision I've made and, and maybe the opulence that I've surrounded myself with because I have busted my ass uh, to get here, to, be, uh, to use colorful language or to be frank. I've worked hard and, and it hasn't been given to me. So it's very short-sighted. If, if you, you gotta realize that I'm 53. You, you have to realize that 10 years ago, I was broke living in my parents' house at 43 with a family. So if you are sitting out there at 40, 43 in that position and looking up to me and saying, oh, it must be nice, you know, must be nice and and you've lost your way and all of that, it doesn't affect me because I have worked so hard to do this and you could do the same thing. Now, with that being said, is some of the, are some of the decisions that I've made and some of the things I've purchased and, and surrounded myself with, is it ridiculous? It is ridiculous. Yes, Mrs. W and I, after living it for a year or so, uh, having all this stuff and all these toys, have, have came to the conclusion, actually about a month ago, that this is ridiculous. Uh, and it, it just, it ta- it's, takes too much to take care of it. Yeah, it's fun and it's very exciting and, and you get that rush to get a new motorcycle or a new trailer, but then the hard work sets in. You know, it's not unlike elk hunting where you get so excited and you get up that morning and you come up on your sights and you squeeze that round off and it's so exciting. You know, it's just the most intense experience and then the hard work starts in. Now you've got to go down there and you've got to butcher the thing or put it out of its misery and then you've got to skin it and bone it and pack it out in freezing conditions, you know, on, the, on your back and all this stuff and the hard work moves in. Well, that's what happens when you get all this stuff and you complicate your life. So... The funny thing is that this is a natural cycle for people that have come from nothing, that come into some money, is many of them kind of lose their mind. It's like, I can do this now. I could, the idea that to be able to go in and to buy a new truck and pay cash for a new truck was so far out of my paradigm and understanding it would have been laughable. Laughable to me, even 10 years ago. I was driving a $4,000 truck. So all of this comes in, uh, this newfound wealth, and you can, you can lose, lose yourself in it a little bit. You can, all these things I dreamed of my whole life when I was a kid, look at me, I mean, right in front of you, living out childhood fantasies of motorcycles and toys and chainsaws and all these things and, you know, sawmills, all the things I dreamed of doing, I did, I was able to do. Well, what was that like? What was that experience like? Was it, did it make my life better? Did it make it happier? No, uh, <laughs> it just was a lot of uh, stress and frustration. Um, your day, whole day can be spent trying to fix things and move things and worrying about getting them undercover to the point where you're like, enough, enough. And then, so what did I learn? Uh, that's not really where it's at. I think where it's at uh, is having a life that's simple, simple organized uh, and somewhat regimented and that's what we're moving into so the new shop is going to be fun where no longer am i going to bring all of this stuff in here nothing passes through the threshold that isn't an essential thing that i've decided to have so what mrs w and i are doing you can't do everything at once you have to do things systematically is the the way to simplify your life and declutter first off well we need a simple house right the house we're living in takes too much maintenance it's big uh, it's a it's a ridiculous uh, boomer McMansion. I'm not saying I regret buying it. Uh, it was what we wanted to be here. It was what we could get. It worked out. It was fine. It may turn out to be the greatest blessing of all time. It might turn out to be the ultimate community center, and that's kind of what it looks like. But we don't want to live there. I don't want to live in a 
it, it alienates you from um, your friends. Uh, it alienates you from your community. It's just stupid. It's ridiculous to have something like that. So a small, modest, quality craftsman style home that, that is more of a cottage style is what we'd like to have. So that's a big part of it, you know, to, to, okay, we did all this crazy stuff. This isn't making our life better. It's actually making it worse. Let's get back to fundamentals, back to where we were at and smaller house. So yes, to answer your question, I think it, yeah, I think it was a mistake. Well, I don't know if it was a mistake. It was just, it, it was a, a direction that I went, I went to experience it. Yeah, it was not a mistake. It was, um, is this where contentment and happiness and joy is? And let's go there and try it out uh, to find out, nope, it is not. Okay, so where is happiness and contentment? You gotta ask yourself, what do I do? What do I find myself doing when I can do anything with no rules? Let's say it's a, a long weekend. Let's say your wife has uh, taken the kids and, and they've gone out to visit her parents out of state somewhere and you're left alone in your shop to your devices to do anything you want with no oversight. What do you find yourself doing? Well, I find myself out here in my shop working on axe handles, polishing on, you know, working on tools, little, I'll fire up the forge and build a little hook I need for something or punch a hole in something or I'm working on my motorcycles or the other time. That's the type of thing I enjoy doing. And so I said, well, that's what we're going to focus on. Get rid of the kiteboarding stuff. Get rid of the mountain climbing stuff. There was a time in your life where you did that. There was a season for that. Are you really going to be up and free solo rock climbing or doing, you know, leading natural with natural? You're not doing that stuff anymore. Let's get serious. You haven't done it for 10 years. You're not going to do it anymore. It's time to let it go. Get rid of it. So focus on what you do. And what I, what I want to do in the last few years is I want to relationships are a big portion. I want to build relationships, friendships. I want to share experiences, i.e. the community center. So I want to choose sports that are going to be where I can involve other people that are more communal. So the motorcycle and the snow biking is like that. You know, we can organize rides and I fully am planned to. If you are a moto guy and have a motorcycle and you have moderate capabilities, I, will take, I can take you on the adventure of a lifetime that you'll never forget. Uh, I want to do that sort of thing. Maybe we get together and you stay at one of the places or we have some guest houses. You know, that's what we're all working towards, tents or yurts or whatever that may be. So that's what I want to do. So narrowing it down to what I want to focus on, I'm going to be into snow biking. I'm going to be into moto. Those two sports work really good together. Uh, they rotate with the seasons. I love my one wheel. Uh, that, that does it for me. I could probably get rid of all the snowboarding, maybe keep a set of backcountry skis to go with friends from time to time, but I'm content and happy with that. So that's what I want to build. That, that, that's what I want to surround myself with. We can get rid of all those things, a lot of aggravations and worries, um, equipment, pieces of things you don't use. Send it on. Send it on to someone else that can use it. Surround yourself with few things of high quality that you enjoy that support your life. I mean, that's, that's kind of where I'm going. Goodness, what a rant. We are so far behind here. Let me catch up on the Super Chats. We haven't even lighted our lantern yet. Um, I hope that answers your question. But yeah, Igor, I think that's, I, I think, I, I don't take offense to that, and I'm not going to assume that you meant it negatively. It, it, it is what it is. I mean, uh, let's be honest here. Um, and you have to be honest as well. If you found yourself in that situation, can you say that you would do any different? Maybe you would. Maybe you, but maybe you would be excited and you want all those dreams that you had and 
tractors and, and toys and stuff, you, you, most of you'd probably do the same thing. <laughs> so <laughs> it is what it is, gentlemen. Uh, but the, the, be the, the thing that gives me hope is if you can get through that and it doesn't destroy you, or it doesn't, uh, you don't forget who you are, or you become such a, um, a conceited, arrogant um, ass that uh, no one can stand you, then you can destroy you as well. But if you can get to the point where you can realize, well, I tried it, um, that didn't work for me, that's not where happiness is, that's not who, where I came from, um, and uh, let's get back to the way things were a little bit simpler. We have a super chat from Ryan Resses. Sorry, it took so long, Ryan, but shout out to you. And Ryan says, uh, to fell a tree, which would you use, a chainsaw or a hand axe? Well, I, I would use a chainsaw, but I think it's important to be proficient in both. I'm not the, I'm not like bucking Billy Ray. He's a, you know, he, he works at a different level. He's a professional a timber guy, log, logging type of guy. Uh, I, 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 I'm a more of a hobbyist. I, I, I want to have the understanding and to be able to do it. So I, if I needed to chop down a tree or process firewood with a crosscut saw or an ax, that I could do that. But I'm not going to rely upon that. Goodness, the, tool, the, chain, the amount of work that you can accomplish with a chainsaw is, is a hundredfold of what you can with an axe. But not to say you shouldn't be able to do it. So what I say is do a little bit with the axe just so you know you can do it, you understand it, uh, that everything works, and then uh, do your hard work. Use technology. Use the tools that you have at your disposal. Thank you, James K. We have a super chat from James K. Shout out to you. Um, just a fan. So thanks. Well, no fans here. We're just we're fellow. We're, we're brothers here in Christ. We have a super chat from On the Water. Shout out to you, On the Water. And he's all, he writes. Also consider getting a rental or asset first. Yeah, a rental or asset first. Yeah, that's, that wouldn't be a bad idea either. Maybe you buy something that's a trailer in the area that you want to live in. Uh, with the idea that as soon as you find your property or whatever, you're, you're going to turn that into a rental. Yeah. And that's where Mrs. W. and I have decided uh, to put our money. Uh, you know, I, I don't trust any of the things I don't understand. Uh, the stock market, I don't, I'm not sophisticated enough. I'd get my head taken off with that. Uh, crypto, um, that, that seems full of problems as well. I don't understand that. What I do understand is local real estate. And I like things I can go stand on and touch or or handle. So I think that if you live in an area that is unlikely to suffer from any sort of a real estate bubble where that type of place is, places that are res resort places or places that folks like to come for vacations are usually somewhat insulated from that. If you're vacation renting, renting where there's a lot of competition, then that might be a problem in the future. Because I think if, if we have that real estate bubble, I think it's going to really start manifesting if it hasn't already in the Airbnb market. Because what happened is a lot of folks bought got so excited with the real estate that they felt like they were missing out. So they, they bought and maybe overpaid for a piece of real estate in a, a popular suburb. And now they're airbnb it. And, and they're relying upon that income from the Airbnb to cover the, the mortgage. And if that income goes away, then they'll lose it. There may be some opportunities for you guys that are looking for homesteads in the next uh, 12 months or so to take, to scoop up some of these distressed properties. Uh, so, I would, if I were you, if you're looking to buy something like that, I would have my ducks in a row. I would be pre-approved, um, be really sacrificing right now to, 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 to stack up cash for any sort of a down payment. Because you may have qualified for a mortgage uh, a year ago that you don't qualify now. Because money uh, is going to be tight, interest rates are going to be high, and, and to get access to affordable money, you're going to be needing credit scores up in the 800s. 
So just don't make hope your plan. Know what you're getting into and work towards that. We have a super chat from Madrix303 and member, triple Loctite member. Shout out to you. He says, like the live stream today. Good luck at the race. Looking forward to watching along. Thank you, Madrix. Thank you for your generosity. And I'm going to put every effort to make sure we get that stream up over there. Uh, we're, going, we're going in tonight. I think we're going to leave here about 3 o'clock, uh, half the party, and kind of go over there in advance and get set up. We have a super chat from Eric Ortlieb. Shout out to you, Eric. Thank you for your generosity. Uh, Eric asks, Cody, would it be possible for you to do a comprehensive video on the tips for success as a man in his 20s, similar to that one vid seven, eight years ago? Yes, Eric, I will do that. And actually, I'm already ahead of you on that. So what I asked, Mrs. W and I have been planning this for about a month. We were uh, having this discussion about some of these comments that are coming in from folks or personal letters talking about losing your way, uh, losing our way and, and not, not, not sharing the same values that we used to have uh, in this. And we, we sat down and we really self-examined and took a look at this and didn't just automatically take offense and like, oh, no, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, and said, so let's look at this. Is this, is this a valid, valid criticism? And we went back, and so what she did, which was so clever, is she went back and rebuilt a timeline of about the last uh, 10 years or so. And not a long, tedious one, just real highlights and, and points, data points of what, where we were at and how things took place and how, how they unfolded. And with a specific reason, the specific reason for this, where someone that would maybe that's in their 30s or 40s looking on the outside saying, must be nice, we can say, look, this is what happened, this is how long it took, and we had nothing, nothing was given to us, and these were the decisions that we made that were bad, these were the mistake, decisions that we made that were good. Because if we had had access to this and we could look back, we could have been where we're at now, but maybe not where we're at now is not the best place. We could be at the, at the spot we're going to be in six months to a year, maybe a year from now, uh, much quicker, without a, a lot of backsliding and, and, and missteps. And, and that that would be a very interesting video to do, where we, video that where we could sit down and actually kind of make a poster, uh, the two of us, and we could talk about this and answer these questions about what, what it was, what it took. Um, it was quite interesting. It was interesting for me because time seems to just run together so quickly and it goes by so quickly. And you just wake up and, and you just forget everything and forget the, the, the the things, your wins and, and your losses. But when she laid it out and chronologically to look at it, it was so fascinating and it was encouraging. It was encouraging. You, you, you can, even when you're, everything is going well and, and you're doing well and you can, if you're, if you don't guard against it, you know, that old adversary can, can start working on you, you know, the devil and Satan and start discouraging you and, and whispering things, you know, that where you can start resenting what you have and, and being unhappy with what you have. And it's a deliberate, you have to deliberately focus on what you have and, and how important, and just how good you really have it, especially as us Americans. But to see it on paper was really cool. So we are working on that. Um, that's gonna be coming up pretty soon. Whether we do that in just a sit down video uh, or we do a live stream or maybe both. Maybe we do, what would be kind of cool is we could play the video. Let's say the video is 15, 20 minutes. And then when that, we do a premiere, and then we can just 
flow directly into a live stream and we can kind of cover the chart and, and, and cover that stuff. Because, my, you know, my parents didn't teach me any of these things. My, didn't, my parents didn't teach me how to manage money and be successful. It, I, I just was so unprepared. And so when the money came, you know, a lot of that, I'm not making excuses, but a lot of that was just ignorance, you know, just not, not knowing, uh, you know, what to do with it and, and just having it just, just going crazy with it, right? So, you know, now I'm in a much better position. So to be able to, if you could learn this from me, <laughs> it could save you a, a lot of aggravation. But thank you, Eric, for that super chat. And we are absolutely going to do that. That is on the, uh, it's on, up on deck. Salamander, we have a super chat. He asks, do you use some European tools besides still? Well, Grand Force Brooks is my favorite axe. And those are, are Swedish. Um, yeah, I've, some, of the, some of the hand tools I like. I like uh, some of the Swiss tools. The Swiss, I like the Swiss bit quarter inch driver bits, like your, excuse me, your torques and such, they seem to hold up really good. Uh, anything from Europe, typically. Uh, Australia, I used to use some of their, some of their stuff. I have some Australian tools. Uh, my sawmill is made in Australia. Not really Europe, though, is it? Yeah, but thank you for that. All right. We still, we're trying to get our lantern lit here. Let me catch up with these real quick and then we'll get going. We have a super chat from Dale. Uh, thank you, Dale. Shout out to you. Uh, who writes, good morning. Any advice for someone wanting to become a firefighter? A long time viewer, God bless. Well, I've been out of it for some time. I would not become a firefighter. Uh, I would, uh, as someone who has done it, professionally who got paid for it as a structural career firefighter and engineer and lead medic on my engine. I did it professionally. It was horrible. Um, I did not like it. Um, I think maybe years ago the camaraderie may have been there a little bit more. And I can't speak for all departments, but I'm just hearing from a lot of people that it's become very mercenary. Imagine the free agent system with sports how before, you know, when the, I'm assuming, I'm not a sports fan. I, I think men running around playing, wearing uh, costumes and chasing balls around is ridiculous. I've never, I, I just have no time, no interest in it. So if you like it, then that's fine. I'm not judging. It's just not my thing. But the free, how I understand the free agent system would have been the Green Bay Packers maybe back in the day were local guys. They may be guys you saw at the local cafe. Maybe you worked with them at the steel plant. And that was cool. I could get behind that, to be honest with you. If I had, if the local guys here were playing rugby or soccer or football, the loggers came down from, from the woods, uh, I, I'd probably play, even if I was rubbish at it. I would enjoy that. I would at least go out and support it. That would be a good time. But if we're talking about mega sport, sporting venues uh, where you have these stadiums where you've got to go pay hundreds or thousands of dollars for tickets, stand in lines, pay for parking, uh, $15 beers, whatever it is in there, and then support the opulence of these, of these athletes that have no allegiance to your city, no allegiance to anything local, who just come in or following a paycheck, and you want me to stand up there and, and, and pay to rah-rah, go team, go sports ball? I mean, come on now. It doesn't make any sense to me. So the fire department, many of them have become this, where you have no allegiance to the community, 
it's such an easy, really, it is an e easy, you're just going to be cradled and taken care of. You'll you don't have anything to worry about, um, you know, financially. The schedule is light. But you have guys, this appeals to a lot of guys. So you'll have guys that are driving four and five hours commuting from out of state even, some places, coming there, doing their shifts and leaving. You know, so it's very transient that way. Plus, you're under the thumb of government. Any sort of mandate that comes down the future, your job is going to be threatened or on the line unless you bend the knee and do what you're told. So you're asking the wrong guy about fire departments. Um, I have no use for it. I don't want anything to do with it. It's got nothing to do with the personnel. Some of the best dudes, some of the best women in the world you're going to meet in there because good people are often drawn to this. But it ain't what it was. And you're... If you're asking for me to, for approval for that, I can't give it. I don't support it. I wouldn't have anything to do with any state or federal government. I wouldn't have anything to do with it. I, I support them in no way. I'll, do, I'll pay my taxes and do what's required of me and no more. So I hope, I hope that doesn't dash your dreams, but I would pursue something else. All right, we've got to catch up on these super chats. <laughs> we have a super chat from Stan. Stan... Goddison, thank you, Stan, for your generosity, goodness. Uh, we have a st uh, Igor's back in the comments. Igor, shout out to you. Um, only about content. Sorry if it sounded malicious. I no, I'm sorry, Igor. That I've got a chip on my shoulder from that. That is not directed personally at you. I have to. I hear it all the time, and you know, a lot of it was pride. You know, let's say say what it is. It's like you know, I, who, who is this? rando to tell me I've lost my way, you know, I'm living my best life out here. You know, it, you know, in pride, none of us are impervious to pride. Pride, actually, of all the sins that a man can commit, it's easy. You know, you'll joke and say, oh, I don't, you don't mind admitting to most hardly any of them. I've heard men admit, oh, yeah, I'm a philanderer, you know, oh, oh, yeah, I'm lazy. Yeah, I'm not very smart. But very few men will come out and say, I was prideful, and I did this, or I responded or I conducted myself in a particular way, surely out of pride and arrogance, for no other reason than that. Not out of logic, not out of what was best for my channel, best for my subscribers. You know, so you know, was that involved? Is that not involved? And we all suffer with that. You know, uh, next to pride, all of the other sins that a man can commit are like, as C.S. Lewis put, put it, like flea bites in comparison to pride. Pride is the grand poobah. Pride is what cause the adversary devil to be cast out of Satan and a third of God's children. Pride is the, is the biggest one, um, and especially for men. Uh, and if you don't think so, then let someone disrespect you. Let someone belittle you or demean you in some way publicly or in front of your friends or family and tell me how that feels. You know, they didn't physically assault you. They haven't taken anything. They assaulted your pride and look, look how you feel. Look at the, the wrath. And, and some guys won't let that go. Some guys will take it to, to the end. Uh, just out of, So to give you an idea of what a powerful motivator that is. And we all have it. So let's not be pointing fingers or casting stones. We're all in this boat together, brothers. All of us. Don't look upon another man and see his life and think, oh, he's got it made. I wish, he ha I wish, I wish I was in that position. You don't know. You don't know what's going on behind scenes, and especially with social, social media. There is a constant, constant pressure, and it's so easy to portray yourself in a particular way. 
You did something foolish or something didn't work out, you can change it in the edit. You don't like the way you looked, you don't like the angle, you don't like what you said, you can change it in the edit. Those of you guys that were raised in the video game era will appreciate this, you can reset. You can hit the reset and you can start over. The live stream, not that way. That's, that's one of the appeals of it. Uh, once that camera's on and once they, what you say and what you do is, is here for forever, you can't take it back. That makes it exciting as well. But no, Igor, I, didn't, I don't mean to take it that way. That's my, my personal chip on my shoulder, not yours. But a very good question. And I think absolutely I fell victim to that. But I'm finding my way. I'm finding my way again. And um, we'll, get back. we'll get back to it. We're just living life, man. We're just, things change. Uh, thing, things change and things adapt. And uh, when you... Yeah, when you come in this sort of lifestyle, when you get some sort of recognition or you start getting recognized and that follows up with money and the desire, it's a very difficult thing that I'd never experienced before to get all of this attention where someone, everyone is wanting access. And what they want is not necessarily access to me. They want access to you. But you can start to believe it that all of this, hey, will you do this? Hey, we'll pay you to do this. Hey, uh, we want you to fly you here and all that. You start to think for a moment, well, I'm so special and I'm such a unique individual that all of these corporations and all these people are willing to fly me here and, and to pay me to do this and to wear this and to say that. You can internalize that. And that's a very, it's a lot of people do, do, but you gotta look at it. And like, I, I'm the same person that I always was. I, I still can't spell. <laughs> I still have chicken legs. I still have all of the problems that I had when I was working construction. Nothing's changed. They're not interested in me. They're interested in getting access to you. So I have to be a gatekeeper on that. So that's a fine line to walk. The line of have to pay for this. I don't ask you guys for money. If you give money or you donate, support the channel, that's on your own goodwill. That's out of your own personal character. And we appreciate that. But I've never asked for that and it wouldn't be required. And if you didn't, I'd still do the live stream. My that's my responsibility. So I handle that by trying to walk a fine line of, of, of working with sponsors that are willing to pay so I can do the content that I want to do. Um, and I try to make that non-intrusive. When I do a brand deal, or a mid-roll sponsor ad, you know, I don't monetize those videos. You're not gonna be watching a bunch of YouTube videos on top of that. I'm gonna make an announcement. You'll always know, if I'm being paid, if someone's paying to put a product in a mid-roll a mid ad, that's a you know, 15 or 30, 60 to 90 second ad typically, I don't keep track. When I do them, I just do my video and I talk about the product and my experience with it and it runs what it was. I put that in the middle and I say at the very beginning, very briefly, this is sponsored by this company. So if you want, you know, you know it's coming up and when it transitions, you can just roll through it and you're not gonna have any ads. So you can watch it for ad free. So that's how we, I support the channel and with you guys supporting me in Super Chats. That's how we do it. So, and it works just fine. And um, I just, that, that's, the, that's the way it is. I support channels. There are channels that I give to on Patreon. There are channels on YouTube that I donate to monthly, some 10 bucks, some 50 bucks, but I'm routine and regular because they, it, it means something to me. The channels that get up and do live streams that, that I follow and enjoy that, that prepare a show all day to do that, that means something to and it has value to me and I'm willing to pay for it. I don't pay for Netflix or cable. I don't go to trash movies. I don't support Hollywood in that way anymore. I support them. And that's, and that's I love the model. It's like, uh, you know, the way it should be.
Goodness, if I lost my chat again. All right. Are we going to light this lantern? We're going to get through the super chats. Okay. We'll catch up here. Goodness. With Igor. But okay. Igor got us. Igor, you got us down. Are you the same Igor that changed my stencil pattern? You're quite an influential man here. Uh, we have a super chat from Gov who writes, uh, thanks for doing what you do. Praise be. Well, shout out to you, Gov, and thanks for supporting us. And we have a super chat from Not Then Borp who writes, starting my day listening to uh, a good man's wisdom makes me strive to be a better man myself. Thank you for the stream and keep it up. Best luck racing. Thank you. You know, I, the old scripture and the, the tagline that I used to love to use with the channel is from the Old Testament. And the prophet wrote, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That we learn from each other. And here's the problem, gentlemen. Here really is the problem. One of the biggest attacks on masculinity is that whoever they are, the spider, the, 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 the ruling class, whatever ever is, realizes how dangerous it is when men get together for a common goal. And in the past, men have always associated together. Men do better in their own company. They raise each other up. When one man you know, is working out and getting fit and doing push-ups, you know, if you're in a group or hunting, all the men are going to be doing it. You're going to raise each other. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So if you open your eyes today and you look around and you realize, look, every institution that man has had where, where men could get together without the company of females and do their own thing and just enjoy what one another's masculinity and partnership have all been attacked. You cannot have a man's only club. You can't do anything without being attacked and the women have to come in and they have to be involved as well. We can't say no. You know, we're in a situation now where if we say no, you know, you could lose, you, you could be canceled. You could lose everything. You could lose money, jobs, lots of things. So it's a dangerous time. But why is it, you have to ask yourself, why is it that it's so important for those people to keep men from getting together and experiencing their masculinity? I'm going to leave you with that uh, to think about. We'll talk about that more in the future. We have a super chat uh, from... Goodness, I got to back up a little. <laughs> uh, you guys are going to have to stop here for a minute until I can catch up here. We have a super chat from G who writes, Cody, you gave me some much appreciated advice about becoming a police officer a few years ago. I feel like lately you have had animosity towards the law enforcement community. Why the change? I absolutely have law. Uh, ad I don't like, I don't like where, it's, where it's going. I don't like... I, I'm not going to get into a, 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 a tirade on this. I've covered this in depth uh, on a couple videos, why I have a problem with law enforcement. And it hasn't changed. It's, it's still the same today. A lot of it's got the same to do with the problem with the fire department. Mercenary cops. Militarizing the police, abusing people. Having a mentality of us against them. When we saw what happened in Portland, when the, op, when, the, when the cops stood by and let the rioters tear up the city, and when good men tried to come in there and protect their homes and businesses, the cops arrested the good men. And then when we had cops that are, are too cowardly to go in uh, in active shooter situations and defend children, uh, it's example after example after example. And now that people have cameras, every one of us has one of these cameras in our hand, now we're seeing what's happening with these interactions when law enforcement interacts with people on the side of the road. 
And it's terrible. It's despicable what's taking places. And just the, the attitude and the, gen, and the animosity, I'm not saying all, but too many. Too many that I cannot support the system and I want to see it torn down in something different. I'm not saying we shouldn't have any law enforcement, but we need a different system. Whoever it is that's enforcing laws needs to be accountable. If you, as a cop, my, if my boys are riding up on the back trails, you know, that, that there's, there's, land, there's private and public land, it's hard to know sometimes, but cops will go up there and harass those boys. Local boys, good boys, they've got the, the stickers, they've got the equipment, everything on there, having a good time. And you as a cop have got nothing better to do but go up there and harass those good boys out having good fun with their motos? No. Well, you can do that and you can get away with that for one reason is that you are not part of my community and I don't know who you are and the fathers of those boys don't know who you are because you are a mercenary cop from a, out of state, for all I know, that come up here and hassle the people, levying fines, extracting resources, just being a general, general nuisance and parasite on society. Not only that, but we pay for you to do that. We pay for these cops to abuse us. And I've had it. My friends have had it, and we're done with it. And the more cops do this, and the more they have a heavy hand on folks, the more people are going to push back. And there's a lot more of us than there are of you, and you're not going to like it when people start pushing back. You're going to not be safe. So you've got to treat people with respect. The solution is this. Peace officers, sheriffs, law enforcement, whoever that, whoever that is going to be, needs to be from the local community. Because if you go up and harass my son or the neighbor's boys, well, about three or four loggers and pickups are going to be paying you a visit at your home as you're sitting down for dinner that night. And we're going to have a discussion on your front porch or your living room about what the proper code of conduct is for law enforcement interacting with society. You feel me? This is, a, this is a really big problem right now. We have a super chat from Rambo Beaver 007 who writes, This year I have thought about making things more efficient and simpler in my life. I'm only 32, but I really think one should make a decision on one's homestead that makes it easier when you get, get old. What are your thoughts about this? 100%. Yeah, 100%. And when we're t Mrs. W and I are designing and trying, or trying to pick plans and, and decide on a house, we're considering that. You know, I'm 53. In seven years, I'll be 60. You know, in 10 years, I'll be 63, right? So building a house, building a life, where I put the house, where I put the shop in relation to the house, considering where the snow is going to shed and, and how I can do things and have the easiest upkeep as possible is important. Having the whole living space, we may build a two-story house because they're cheaper to build that way, but we're going to have the main living area on the main floor, master bedroom, kitchen, everything compact and easy to use. You don't want to be climbing stairs every night to go up to your bedroom when you're 80 or 90. You know, so yeah, absolutely take these into consideration. Things that are really, that take the strength and energy and vitality of a young man, you want, you've got to eliminate those things. If you have to go out and cut 10 cords of year of wood and you don't have the money when you get to a point where you can't do that, then you need to make, make, 
you need to adapt. You know, maybe a pellet stove in, is in your future. You know, so things like that. Absolutely, you need to consider. You've got to be smart. If you're going to survive in the new world, you're going to have to be resourceful and smart. You're going to have to think, things, think of things before the other people think of them. I have, I cannot put enough importance upon that of being ahead of the curve, being ahead of, of, of the masses. You know, just, the way that I think and the, strategy, the way Mrs. W and I strategize uh, with things is looking into the future as much as possible. For example, we have a boy this morning, we have a boy that's um, 17 going into college. We have a very uncertain world. Is it possible that there's a draft? And what is our stance on that? And how are we going to react if that happens all of a sudden? Let's say that there is a, um, someone explodes or attacks something and we're all at war and it's a call to arms. You know, how do we react and how do we deal with that situation? Wouldn't it be better for us to, na to now have a plan in place, knowing what we're going to do? And I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling you, you just need to know what you're going to do and how you're going to react. Uh, one way or react to another. You might have to have a nuclear option. You know, if, if it's something you just can't participate in, how am I going to deal with this and how am I going to, how, how am I going to handle it? And what is, what is, what is the landscape? What, what, how many guys are going to respond in this particular environment with this particular administration? Is it going to be, is the turnout going to be so poor that trying to enforce it would be impossible? You know, so consider these things. So looking at long-term and, and having plans what am I going to do if my transmission goes out on my truck and I've got a $10,000 replacement bill? Have you thought about that? Do you have $10,000 to, to make that repair? Or would that completely destroy you and put you, in, and put you under stress? Because now you've got a $10,000 bill. What happens if the water heater goes out at the same time? You know, uh, you know what I'm saying here. So think about it. And that's going to be you know, I think a, lot, a large part of the channel in going into the future, I, I think I need to have that on top of my mind when, I'm, when we're talking about things. If we're covering preparedness for trucks or we're talking about generators, you know, I need, we need to be discussing that, uh, learning from each other. But thank you for that super chat. And we have a super chat for, oh, goodness, <laughs> from Mike. Oh, I can't see my old eyes. We have, from Bastetto. Uh, end member, shout out to you. Uh, Chet Goodenow, thank you for that. Super chat for you. Andrew uh, has got a question. Andrew, longtime member. Cody, I just want to say I appreciate the content for myself who's had a hard life as an East Coaster. You're very inspirational to a young man. Thank you. That means a lot, Andrew. I really do appreciate that. To hear the comments and to hear things like that and to see that you support the channel and that means a lot to me. Even if I don't say it or I don't contact you personally, just having you guys behind me and pushing me and to see those and to have you here to know that someone's going to get up and be here uh, means a lot to me and is why I get up and do this. But thank you and thank you for that. Appreciate it. And we have, I, I, I think I'm caught up. I'm I, sorry if I missed anybody. Uh, from Stan Goddison who writes, love this channel. What's your thoughts on our trucking industry? Oh man, my heart breaks for the truckers. They, those poor guys I've been, when we were traveling, over to Idaho last weekend, you know, when you're on the interstate like that. Did I pump this up? I don't think I did. You can usually tell. No, it feels empty. On the interstate, you know, not you get stopping and getting gas at all the trucks stores. Those guys look absolutely haggard. You know, you can just kind of hear them talking at the store and everyone seems to be 
being uh, asked to do uh, drive overtime, and I think even some states are changing the amount of hours that guys can drive. You know, pay's not keeping up. Fuel costs are ridiculous. You know, I think some of these guys are in contracts and have to eat fuel costs. Oh, it's 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 just terrible. I I wish it's it's tough. I wish they could get together. I'm not a union guy. Unions are once you get into unions, then you end up with uh, six guys filling a pothole, five leaning on a shovel, and one filling in the hole. You get people abuse it. Obviously, you have to have oversight, but uh, I don't know. I'm not an economist. I don't know where the solution is. Just to leave people alone. That's what I want. Leave us alone. Leave us alone, and we'll do the right thing. Stop extorting so much money from me in taxes, and I, I would give more. There's nothing new, gentlemen. King Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. All the problems and complaints they had in their day. Everyone's always being oppressed. We live in a world of sin, gentlemen. This is not the world that we were created to live in. We are, God has built us a bridge through Christ, at least a way back, at least some guidance, so we're not completely lost. Uh, but it's going to be tough. But one thing that I can attest to, I'll tell you personally, is I've lived both ways. I, I've lived the hedonistic lifestyle. When I left the Christian cult that I grew up in, we were so clamped down and so restricted, and me being a nonconformist anyway, you can only imagine what happened when I was turned loose on, turn, turned loose on the city. You know, I, I experienced everything there is to experience. For about a decade, you know, I chased that lifestyle. Um, and then I found that that is not where it's at either. It was worse off than before. So, you know, about that time is when I ran into Miss W and then getting back to the, the slow process of finally kind of getting back to, to walking with Christ. And goodness, you know, he gave us a promise. I'm going to paraphrase here. He gave us a promise that said, look, you know, why, why would you be lost? Why would you go through life in this world without the help of, of the comforter, without the peace that I could give you, without the instruction and the guidance that will make your life so much easier. You know, we look, we're, we're just spoiled little children. We want our way and we, we kick and scream when someone wants to put some sort of a rule on us and God is constantly reasoning with us. Can you imagine the frustration that he must experience when we go back, go back, we, we turn back and wall, back to the mud and wallow back in the mud after he dusts us off and gets us all clean. We just go back and back. It must be infuriating. Remember what Peter said to him? Peter said, Master, so how many times should I forgive my brother if he sins against me? You know, should I forgive him seven times? Would I be a good Christian if I forgave my, my, my enemy seven times if he continued to betray me? What did Christ say? I tell you not seven times, but seven times seventy. And Peter's standing there scratching his head. So does that mean we should forgive our enemies 144 times so they continue to, uh, to sin against us? The point was being he put up such an astronomical number to, to tell us that there may not be a limit. You might just have to, to deal with it and do it with it. But what he tells us is that I will give you the ability to do that. You would never be able to have, find it in your heart to forgive someone that, is, that has murdered a child or wronged a child or, or taken a spouse from you. You might resent, have that hatred and resentment your entire life. Maybe you're justified. Maybe you're entirely uh, 
justified in, in doing that. But you're not hurting them. They're off living their best life and you're internalizing that and you're destroying yourself and your health with that anger. One of the things that Christ will do if you find yourself in that situation, he'll free you from that. And the promise that he makes that is so important is he, is he tells us that this walk is going to be hard. Don't make this decision lightly. You know, he says, count the costs. He gives an analogy. What man starts to build a building that doesn't, doesn't, isn't able to finish it? What, which one of us is like, I'm going to build a shop and I'm going to lay the foundation and I'm going to get the lumber package out here and it only to get it half framed and run out of money. And there it sits. We've seen those projects. We've seen it. There it sits year after year deteriorating and nothing happening. Well, now what does that man look like to his friends and neighbors? Well, he's a laughingstock. No one respects him. He was a fool. He started a project. He started something he couldn't finish. And what a fool. He'll never, never come back from that. That building or that unfinished project just sits there as a reminder of his failure. You know, I, I'm not preaching to you. I'm, talk, this is, I'm talking to us. This is how we need to look at life. These are the lessons that are given in the scripture so simply that in our day-to-day -day workings, in our day-to-day -day dealings, farming or machining, that's why Christ speaks to us in parables so that we can relate. So as you're working with your hands, you can conjure up these lessons, these truths, and we cannot repeat them. So when you see your farmer, his land or his fence broken down or weeds grown, you see it in a particular way, you, you kind of can tell what the, the, the man's character is like. And that's what these lessons are for. So the promise that he makes it so exciting is that even though we don't belong here, and even though we've been separated from God by sin, we're not completely lost. And he tells us, you're going to have to go through the mud for a while. But one thing I will do for you is I'll promise you this. The life that you have, if you follow my commandments, if you keep my commandments and, and you build a relationship with me, will be so much better. It'll be so much easier for you. You may not be rich. You may not be opulent. You may not even be completely healthy. You may be crippled. But I will provide for you where you can't provide. And I will see you to the end. And unlike all the people in your life who have betrayed you and abandoned you and, and, and left you and didn't care for you, I will never be that person. I, I, I will always be there for you. And, the, and when you pop, die and you pass away, and it doesn't matter if it's a car wreck at 20 or if it's as an old man on his deathbed, your next waking moment is going to be in the kingdom. You know, so it's, you know, for me, it's just a no-brainer. And, and I know I can't tell you, and I know that is meaningless to you. It's just another bit of advice from someone you don't know. But I'm not giving advice from a position that I don't understand. I'm not someone who's grown up in a perfect Christian family and never experienced what it's like to be homeless, never experienced what it's like to be a junkie, never experienced what it's like to be broke and destitute and not knowing where you're going to live. I've, never, I've been in those situations so I can relate. And I don't want to be in those situations again. But I'm not unsympathetic to you if you are. Because I have been uh, more times than I'd like to admit. I have been at the mercy of kind people. I have been, I get it. I understand it. So I'm not, I'm immune from it must be nice comments. It just doesn't mean anything to me. I'll admit, I went, I bought too much. Went too much stuff, too, too, too many things going on. But I'll also uh, draw, I guess, encouragement from being able to see it and to make a cor course correction. I respect 
the man that can make a course correction who is going the wrong way uh, more than the one that never needed to, to be quite honest with you. Oh, goodness, I was just, just catching up. <laughs> we have, uh, oh, goodness. We're, we're, we're going to need a producer. We're going to need a producer. Uh, truck, but that was from Stan. Thank you, Stan. Thank you for that super chat. Shout out to you. Uh, we've got a super chat from J-Dubs Adventure. Shout out to you, J-Dubs. And he writes, uh, Jay, he's 33. I have worked as a journeyman welder for years. I'm tired of the union mentality. How can someone deal with people that are better than everyone else being outspoken has caused animosity? Oh, that is the, it is a hateful environment to work in. I have worked in that environment before. And then when you mix in the elitism that comes from unions and just the laziness and the grit, oh, it's horrible. It is absolutely horrible. It's very difficult, J-Dubs, to ever amount to anything in this environment. Environment. These men will infect you. And, and the older you get, the more embittered and the more you'll become like them. It's just not good for men to, be, to have so much protection, protections that come from the union. I know men are exploited and workers have been exploited forever. Back in the day before we had any sort of a union or any sort of regulation on businesses, men were treated terribly. Look what, look what the U.S. government did to the, uh, the Chinese railroad workers and the Irish workers. There were truck drivers that had to drive so many hours that they were falling asleep. They'd have to light, keep a constant cigarette lit in their fingers on top of the steering wheel so that it would burn down and burn their fingers to wake them up so that they wouldn't drive off the road and crash. You could see them because their fingers were all burnt and red and blistered from the cigarette burns. You know, that's the type of things that, that greedy people will do to men. So there needs to be someone to, to hold them to account. But when the, when the workers have too much power and they take over, then they end up running roughshod and, and abusing everyone. And they're not abusing the government that may be having to pay the exorbitant fees or, or wages. That comes back to us. The longshoremen have a grip hold, uh, have a, a stranglehold on the West Coast, for example here, that the money that they make, I have friends that are in it, I know what they make, is ludicrous. I know guys that are walking foremans that do absolutely nothing but just hide all day uh, that are pulling down uh, over $200,000 a year as a longshoreman. Some of these guys are close, you know, $150,000 a year, and all they do is drive trucks and cars off of boats. You know, I'm not saying all, it comes at a cost, but it's, they've got everyone by the short hairs, and we all have to pay that. That's another reason why a new truck is $80,000, is because of unions. So I don't know what the solution is. I don't know, gentlemen. It's, I don't want to be that old boomer that's just, oh, these kids these days, I, I, it's, I want to enjoy life. We have a super chat from Christian Rom. He says, I'm 20 and I approve of your message and lifestyle. Well, that's good. It's nice to still be re relevant with the 20 year old. It was so funny when we were in Idaho, I'll, <laughs> it's, it's still when we were in Idaho, uh, we had a couple hours to kill um, my family. They were on Friday for they were getting off work and getting ready. So we, uh, pulled the truck up right by, they have a really nice skate park there in town, and there were three young boys, about 12, 13 or so, on uh, BMX bikes, BMX bikes, that's what they were. So we broke out the one wheels, and we were having fun messing around there, and these guys, these kids were pretty connected. I mean, they had their phones, and 
they're sharing YouTube videos and I could hear them talking and they really like shorts and all of that. And they came over and asked about the one wheel and I had brought an extra one. So I got that out. So I was showing them how to ride it. We got to talking and they found out that I was a YouTuber. Well, here I am, this 53 year old guy, this old boomer. <laughs> and once they found out that I had a YouTube channel, they immediately went online and checked it out. It was amazing. You know, we were, it was like, they were so excited and they and like, We've never met a YouTuber before. We, we like YouTube, so it was really, really fun to talk to them. You know, these kind of completely different generation, you know, younger than Jack even, but talking with them and skating with them and hanging out with them. And I asked them a lot of questions. What do you like about YouTube? Do you like, ask them, do you like TikTok? And they all said, no, our parents won't let us watch TikTok. I said, well, do you like YouTube? Yeah, we love YouTube. That's what we watch is YouTube. We like YouTube shorts. I said, do you, like, do you watch long form content? No, not really, uh, except for these channels. And then they listed off lifestyle channels. So they followed a lot of channels where it was father and son. So maybe a kid their age is into BMX bike racing or into fishing or hunting. They would watch this, but mostly they liked the short content. So it was fun. It was fun. It's, it rem reminded me how blessed I am to be able to do this and, and to run a YouTube channel, uh, just to have that experience with them and to be... I don't, it's fun to have a job that young kids think is cool. We routinely go to places where around, there's a lot of professional people, a lot of accomplished people, doctors, surgeons, you know, really done well in life. And yet the young people, they're not interested in that. No one is interested in going to law school. No one's, apart from my son, uh, or uh, this or that. They all want to be content creators. They all want to do different things, you know, so may or may not work out for them, but it's fun it, it's a it's a fun thing mama kitty want, yeah she wants her fire shall we do a fire gentlemen i think stitch stitch and me shout out to you for that super chat and i think that that it was high time uh robert estes we have a super chat from robert shout out to you robert and he says have you ever thought about creating a discord server for an online community would love to have a place to get professional amateur home ownership you know we've kind of tried that in the past I don't like Discord. Uh, it's uh, not a secure site. From what I understand, it's heavily monitored by uh, well, folks that wouldn't maybe see, wouldn't have, have uh, the agenda is not in our best interest. Um, I think it works good for a way to communicate groups for video games, but I, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I wouldn't rule it out, but I would say, you know, Robert, I think probably what we'll end up doing is we'll once once we can get the community center going and start having some events happening that we'll, we'll have some sort of a site that will, maybe that could be an option. You know, we can put, uh, whatever. I, I do not like forums. You guys know how I feel about those. So I, I'm going to have to be convinced. You have to change my mind if that's going to be something that we're going to want to maintain because it seems to degrade into elitism and all sorts of things that I just can't stand. Stitch in me, super chat. Thank you. Mama Kitty wants her fire. I think we should go with that. Let's do that. Look at it. She's all fluffed up and fuzzed up because she's cold. I want my fire too. My, I'm getting a little cold myself. Everything in good order. There is something that you guys could do that would help me tremendously. If a couple of you could sign on uh, and I will make you moderators as well. But one thing I'd like to do that would help me, especially when things get busy, things are about to get busy with uh, getting the shop 
the storms are coming, so we're going to be all hands on deck. So making long-form content is, it, I'm going to have to take a week or two off of that. What would be helpful is if someone could email me, Cody at WranglerStar.com, and as you're watching these live streams, and I don't know, maybe there's not any, any, even anything worth sharing, but if there is a, uh, a rant or a diatribe or maybe an interesting point or comment from one of you guys, timestamp those for me. If you can timestamp those for me, I can cut some clips and throw them up on the channel because you know most folks are not going to want to watch a two-hour live stream, and I don't either. I love clips of highlights from live stream. That makes it a lot easier for me. So if I see a three-hour live stream on my feed, I may watch it. If I'm working in the shop or just hanging out, I will definitely do that. But most times, if I see that they've clipped three or four segments out of the more interesting things or the highlights from that, uh, I'm going to watch those. And I like those. If those are like 6 to 10, 12 minutes, those are perfect. So if any of you guys can do that, and if, if anyone's willing to do that regularly, um, I'll make sure uh, that you are, uh, whether you're compensated or we'll send you something nice. Uh, I'll make some, something to, to say thank you. But the good stuff, if something looks like it could be a short, which is one minute, or a clipped interesting comment or take, uh, give those to me and we'll do that. Maybe it'll turn into a full-time job. Could be. I picked out some beautiful straight-grained wood that we shouldn't have any trouble splitting, Mama. She's over here scolding. She's scolding me now as we speak. All right. Let's do this. Try to chop wood and do the chat here. Oh, we have super chat from uh, Pro. I can't even pronounce that. I'm going to call you B. Do I have any training scheduled? No, but I want to really bad. I want to. I've done so. I've done a lot of training with uh, ARs and, and even. A lot more with handgun. I feel very proficient and confident. And I, I don't fire a lot anymore, but I, I always train. I'm always, you know, wearing my stuff. I, I'm comfortable with that. What I, I don't know about, and what I'd like to get more into, is I'd like to have some training on uh, night vision. I'd like to uh, take a, a multiple day course because I, you know, I, I can put together things and you, you know you my, my neighbor he's he got night vision recently so him and I have been you know we're, we're gonna be working together and have worked together a little bit but I don't know what I don't know so I'd, I'd love to have put everything together go through get some instruction for someone that, ha that knows about it and I would really enjoy that but I haven't done it yet I haven't even looked into it really so if you know anything or can recommend that uh, I would appreciate that. I'd sign up for it. Oh man, that is some nice, nice wood, isn't it? Goodness. I have decided uh, cleaning out the stove daily is where it's at. It performs a, a lot better. I cleaned it out yesterday. I just took my dustpan and just one big scoop of ashes. I, I, I hate to admit that. I, I didn't, I, I'll tell you, I should, I gotta have accountability. So yesterday I scooped the ashes up, and this is coming from someone who is a wildland firefighter, a sawyer, engine, all that, all that experience. 
I scooped those ashes out. It was a big heaping uh, dustpan. Ran outside, looked at the, at the apple tree, and it was all just wet. It had been just dew, and the humidity is super, super high. And I thought, that will never catch on fire. And it's good to put ashes around your fruit trees. So I dumped that whole thing there, and I saw there were some embers on it. Didn't think too much of it. Started the live stream. And the moment that I, I think I shut down the live stream, Jack came in and said that there was a fire. <laughs> it wasn't big, but that those coals and everything had sparked up and it was actually burning under the burning enough where he had to go get a hose, I think, and, and spray it out. He said, he came in and said, you want to bring your camera out and see the fire you started? I said, no, don't tell anybody. <laughs> but, but that happened. So what I did today was I scooped it up and I put it in the irrigation ditch. Uh, and I guarantee you that won't burn. But cleaning it out, man, it works so much better. It, it really likes to have, there must be an air intake or something on the bottom that can get clogged up. But I'm going to clean it out daily, I think. And I found out how to clean the window. I found a way to clean the window that cleaned it in seconds. And we, in the past, have struggled to try to figure out how to clean those. The one in the house, we've bought chemicals. Goodness, we've struggled with that. And one little little trick i grabbed it and i've cleaned it twice and it's just like magic you'll never guess what it was either it's got a strange grain in it no two pieces alike Like still, it's still raining. Goodness, I was hoping we would be able to get. I'm glad we got ready, ready mostly yesterday. It was sunny all day. But I guess we could. I'll just move a few things. We might just bring the shop, bring the trailer in here. I chose poorly. I am not. The way I look at pieces of wood that won't split is the way I look at chewing on a piece of grizzly steak. I'm going to give it a few bite, a few attempts. But if it's not happening, I'm not wasting any time on tough meat. Out it goes and just get a different piece. That's what dogs are for. They don't, ha they don't care. Get never too old to learn your own lesson, boy, isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? Let's make some super skinny ones here. How about some of that high production? We haven't had a camera switch for a while. Let's look, take, should we take a look at Fuji? What's going on out there? Oh goodness, that doesn't look good. All right. This is a beautiful piece of straight grain. Look at that, just look at that. Goodness. Look at the growth rings in that. That is a beautiful piece of wood right there. What a handle that would make for something. That would be absolutely gorgeous. Run that through the planer. Just about splits itself to get that. So nice. Nope, it's not ash and water. I'll tell you. You know what it was? 
double lot steel wool. Double lot steel wool. I could not believe how easy it is. I keep a piece right here now every morning. Just wipe it, maybe 20, 30 seconds. You'll see here. And I didn't even really get after it. It's got a little bit of fog on it there. Smoke residue, but I just hit it really quickly. But in, let's say, three, three minutes, I'd have the thing just absolutely pristine. Oh, this wood splits nice. It's a very satisfying splitting kindling. Good way to get a sliver, though. Yeah, it might. Jariah expressed that. He, he said something about uh, doing triple or double lot or quad aught, whatever. The finest steel wool. What is the finest steel wool? Is it like four aught? But, you know, to be honest with you, I don't really care. If it gets a little, maybe a little bit of a scratched on it, it's better than it being black where you can't even see through it. So I don't. I mean, I'm not going to be cleaning my car window with with steel wool, but I, I, don't th I don't think it's too big of a deal here. Oh, we have a new member, our newest member. That deserves a face-to-face. J-Dub's Other Adventures. Welcome. You know what we could do? I've been, Mrs. W has been on me for years. You need to do, you need to do the Bible study. You got to get back to the Bible study. Funniest thing, I had folks that have been uh, friends of ours for a long time, not Christians. And we don't have a problem with that. You know, I, I don't. It's important. There's a time. It's important to surround yourself with people of like like-minded fellow belief. But just because someone doesn't share your belief doesn't mean you can't have a close friendship. Um, but they have. But the point is, they've come. To, they've come to uh, to. I don't know. To me, yeah, to me maybe, and her, and ask you, hey, are you ever going to do that again? Which really shocked me. It shocks you. Who's watching? When you think about you think about throwing a video up, and let's say let's just a video up that, that in 24 hours does 100,000 views. It's 100,000 people watch that. That's incredible. If you think about those faces, I mean, you see numbers on the screen on my end. I see the back end of it, and you process that. But if you stop to think that 60,000, 100,000 people in 24 hours. What does that look like? That, is that a, how many people are in a massive stadium, like for a World Cup? It's got to be close to that, right? It, 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 it's staggering. And then the idea, the, the audacity, this is what, how I feel, the audacity to get in front of these good folks, God's children, and preach to them or tell them what for or get on any sort of a high horse is just... It's just a level of cheek that's just too far for me. I just, I, it, this is not what the world needs. The world needs this about as bad as it needs another self-help book 
that's operating from the wisdom of some dude or some woman. We just don't need it. So I don't want to do that. And then the thought of it, the thought of, do you understand, as a man of God, do you understand the consequences that come with standing up and professing to be uh, a teacher of God's people? Do you understand that? I don't think that people go into the clergy very lightly without maybe considering that, but the consequences of that. You know, if you do that, that's why Christ is warning you, if you decide to walk with me, to walk the Christian walk, if you decide to put your hand to the plow, he says, you know, know what it's going to be and, and don't look back. Granddad said, yeah, I think we talked about this one time, and he grew up in Oklahoma, and they used to plow straight lines, straight fences. You know how that country is, right? And he said that grand, his granddad always told him, once you started, once you put your hand to the plow, and his granddad would have been a hand plow, you'd have a horse, you don't look back. You look forward. If you're plowing with a tree, and I don't know this to be true, and it doesn't matter. It just, it, it just helps to, point, to paint a picture. If you're driving and you're plowing for row after row after row, if you look back to check your work, you'll get a little wiggle in it. And, and you, that, you'll see that where you lost focus on, on the beginning. So he warns us about that. It's going to be difficult. If you put your hand to the plow, know that much is going to be required of you. Now, how much more is going to be required of a man that decides that he's going to get up and teach God's people? You know, we have the story of the talents in the New Testament, right? Christ says there were three men that were servants of a rich guy, and he was going to go on a long journey. And so he gave, he, he called the three of them into his, his uh, room there and he said, uh, I'm going to give you uh, one talent and one three and one five or whatever it was, or one five and ten. I don't make any difference. We'll, we'll go with one five and ten. Uh, I want you to do something with this. So he went on a long journey and the one that he had given ten talents and what is a talent? Well, it was a money, a measure of money back in those days. It was an investment. Like I have this money, I, I, I am paying you. I'm providing you uh, a house, I'm providing you a place to live, food, taking care of your family. I want you to, to do something. I want you to be an asset to me. So he gave the most capable man in his, in his household, uh, gave him 10. Say, well, and same with the five and the one. The less capable was five, perhaps, and the least capable man, he was given one. He wasn't expected to do what the man that was given 10 to do, but he was expected to do something. So he went on his long journey, and the men did what they did. And when he came back, he called these men up and asked them to give an account, an audit of what they did. So he says to the one with the ten, so I gave you ten, what have you done? He says, well, I'm happy to report, Master, that not only do I have the original ten that you gave me, but I've had an increase of ten. I was wise with your money. I invested it. I was diligent. I am a faithful servant. Have yours plus your gain. He says, well, well done, well done, you know, good and faithful servant. You know, enter into the joy of the Lord. You have done what was required of you. A lot was asked of you, but you did a lot. The second five, the same. Here's your five, I gained five. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Interesting thing, it's the same reward. Even though one had worked, produced twice as much as the other, the reward was the same. So God is no respecter of persons. So if you have been given a disadvantage of life, a handicap, second-rate mind, terrible conditions where you were raised in a drug-infested home or maybe even a, a man raised without a father in the home, you are, have not been given the same opportunity as some of the rest of us. 
and God does not expect you to live up to that standards. But you have to live up to the standards that you, that, that you can. Now, the interesting story was when we get to the man with a one. The man with a one comes up, and he starts off with excuses. He says, oh, master, I know that you are a hard man, that you gather where you have not uh, sown, and you, or you gather where you have not spread, and you reap where you have not sown, basically saying, you're a wealthy man, and you receive, you receive all these profits. You don't go out there and plant grain, and yet you receive the benefit. You don't go out and cut olive wood, yet you receive the benefit of these other men. I knew that you were a hard man, man so I was afraid. So here is the, the one talent that I gave you. Um, be content with this. Um, I buried it in the ground so nothing would happen to it, but, uh, but here it is. Uh, you haven't lost anything. But the response of the master was not what he had expected. He said, thou fool. Wouldn't it have been better for you to at least take that talent? You could have put it in the bank and it would have produced some interest. And, and you could have at least shown something. Even if you didn't double it, it wasn't a complete talent. At least you would have tried or made the slightest effort. Almost, and I don't have a scripture for this. I don't want to go on an undangerous ground. But you could almost make the argument, perhaps... And knowing God as I do, and knowing him to be merciful, that had this man done something so simple as just produced a penny of increase, that I wonder sometimes if he wouldn't have received his crown and entered into the kingdom. We'll never know. We'll, we won't know until we can ask the question. But he didn't do that. He buried it. And so the result was, thou wicked servant, uh, cast him into the fire, throw, throw him out, banish him from the home, and take that one talent that was given him and give it to the man that had 10. So what does that mean? Why am I telling you this story? And what does that have to do with anything? Well, it's important when we read the scriptures to ask the fundamental question, what does this story, what does this allegory, what does this teaching tell us about the character of God? We want to know God. Because if you don't know God and don't know what he is and what he's about, then how can you serve him? Because if you don't know him and you tell me that you serve him, then I don't believe you. You can't serve someone. You can't be faithful to someone you don't know. The talents are an important lesson because whatever situation you find yourself in, what it shows us about God's character is that he is not a respecter of persons. So if you're looking at another man's life and comparing it to your own, and, you're, and it's highlighting your inadequacies as you see them, or by the world judges inadequacies or standards, God doesn't see it that way. Maybe you have been given one talent, but you're expected to improve upon it. You don't need to be Billy Graham bringing millions into stadiums. You could be the man that does the smallest kindness to your neighbor, and that means more to God than anything. I'm not saying this because I think this to be the truth. I can only, I'm saying this because we have scriptural proof of this. We'll close with this. Last one. I'll stop preaching at you. Here's a fascinating story from the New Testament. Christ is in Jerusalem. He's got his apostles around him. It is a, a, a high feast day. So there were high feast days where all of the children of Israel would all have to come to the capital and, and to sacrifice and go through the, the Jewish rituals of those times. So there were people coming from all regions. And one thing that had to be done in those days was there was the, the Levites, which ran 
basically were the priests of the, of, of the, of, of the Hebrews. Uh, people would come in to offer these sacrifices, these annual sacrifices, and they would have pay uh, kind of an entrance fee. And this was in, to support the priesthood. The priest, according to Moses' law and, and the, given by God himself, the priesthood was to be set aside and minister to the things of God, and they weren't to hold land and weren't to, to keep property. They were to be maintained by the other 11 tribes. You know, similar to what we have today. We have government agencies that we support. Right. So Jesus is there. There's a long line. There's all of these people. And one thing that they used to do, like when they would go for Sabbath service, they had like a money box and you would walk up and you would drop your coins into the box. Clink, clink, clink. You're hearing them, right? Now, the weight of a copper coin is very different than the weight of a, a large coin or a silver or a gold coin. It has a very distinctive sound, right? So what people would do and just like Human nature has never changed. Whether you're rolling up to Ruth Chris in a Bugatti Veyron, you know, the only reason you're doing that is to put on airs and make up, you know, for most people. Some people, I guess, enjoy the performance, but I think a lot of folks have those sorts of things uh, to, to make themselves look a certain way or, or to receive the, what they think are the accolades of their fellow man. So the rich men, not only would they be dressed in, in very opulent gowns and, and everything that they could draw attention to themselves, when they would give to the priesthood those big old coins, they would lift them up nice and high so that when they hit that, the bottom of that box, they made a really good kathunk. There was no question that a man of substance, of significance, of wealth was blessing them with his appearance. And look at his generosity for everyone to see. Look how generous he is. What a man of God. What a man of faith. Because those people in those days believed that if you were prosperous, if you were a rich merchant or a landholder, and then that was a, a, that was a direct sign that God had shown his favor upon you. If you had been stricken with leprosy or were poor in any way, obviously that you were a sinner. So this was a terrible system because that's not the case. Because we cannot look into the heart of men, we can only see the outside. Only God can see the inner man and see the heart. So you'd look around and you'd see someone that was destitute or a beggar and they were reviled and despised and, and really pushed to the margins of society because obviously God hated them or he would prosper them. That was the way that they believed. Well, Christ came in to send a recce ball to that. So as these men are doing this and, and having this, putting this great show and all this pretension, there was a, a poor widow who had the, the least of all coins, it would have been like a penny. It was called a, white, um, a mite, M-I-T-E. She was in line with these rich men, dreading the entire thing. As she got closer and closer to the box, and as these men and women were, were showing signs of their wealth, she was horrified of her meager, uh, all she had. That's all she had. She had a penny, and that's what she could give. And giving this penny was giving any food or any ability to eat that she had. It was the last thing that she had. Christ is watching this. He's watching her creep up there, and he grabs his disciples. He's like, I'm paraphrasing. I don't mean to be irreverent. I want you to look over. Do you see that, see that woman over there? Do you see what she's doing? She goes up to the box, and she's so embarrassed of her meager means and that, that she tries to hide what she puts in there. I've seen people do this at the offering plate at church before. I've never judged anyone. I've seen people make a show of uh, putting a $100 bill in. People that would sit in a particular place where 
the, 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 the hat or the money plate would pass through where everyone could see their, their generous offer. You know, if you, you're not, you, you may be receiving your benefit from impressing your neighbors or the person sitting next to you, but you've just undone any goodwill that you ever could have done in the eyes of God. You've undone it. You've had your reward right there. Uh, there will be no reward in heaven for that. So as she's doing this and she's trying to cover her humiliation, he says, do you see that woman right there? Do you see what she did? I tell you the truth. She has put more, she's added more in than all of these others, even if you combined it. You know, that was very contrary to the way of thinking in those days. And the disciples probably scratching their head. Well, how, how is that? When these other, look, look at the good that could be gained from all of the gold and the wealth that these rich men have put in. Look at the, think of the homeless. God doesn't need your money. He needs your submission. He needs you willing to trust her. And what that woman showed God and why Jesus wrote that down and why we're talking about this today is because this was a tremendous act of faith. This woman gave out of her need, whereas the rich men gave out of their excess. And that's right there is where, where it's at. So do not judge yourself according to another man's standards and do what you can with where you're at. And remember, the greatest thing of all is that the reward will be for you will be the same as the greatest saint. So it's very encouraging. It's very encouraging, and it'll change the way you look at Scripture when you ask that one fundamental, fundamentals question. What does this story, allegory, or teaching tell me about the character of God? It's fascinating. Are we ever going to get a fire here? This is, I'm sorry, I'm ranting. Goodness. We have a, we got a backup here. We have a super chat from uh, Christian Rom, uh, who says, make a, satis oh, make a satisfying short out of wood splitting. Uh, you do need to start Bible study again. I, I, I don't know if I'm going to start a Bible study, but what thing we could do, man, I, I'm reluctant to commit to this. Um, if it's going to happen, this is what it would look like. Uh, it's going to be a live stream just like this, but we'll do uh, Sabbath service. Sabbath service. That will, be Saturday, that will be Saturday morning, and uh, we could do something. Maybe we do something where we limit comments to members only. I think that might be good. I have an option to do that. So one thing we could do, Sabbath service. This is an idea, and please, I have not got back to your emails for you guys that have sent in suggestions for this sort of thing. Remember, we're building this plane as we're flying it. We're building it together, and your input is creating the show right now. This is really happening, so we need to figure these things out. Sabbath service, Sabbath stream, whatever we come up with, is going to be different in that we probably ought to have a topic, uh, and that I will put forward. Um, I'm not reading from Bible. I'm not preaching uh, that, that way, because that's boring. But I think we can take a story... Uh, we can see how that applies to us. Me personally, I can speak to my personal experience with how it can apply to other people and how we can use that as men uh, to put ourselves in the best position to, to do well and to thrive uh, in this changing economy. Uh, there are a lot of good lessons in there, and I'll tell you the comfort that will come from everything. Most, most of you who have your eyes open are realizing that a lot of the things that you've believed to be true are not true anymore.
and a lot of people are wanting to check out uh, just because what's the point? There's no hope. But there is hope, and hope is the most important thing for a man because there's no reason to get up. If I didn't have hope, I'd eat a gun uh, and just put it over with because this life is hard. And the older you get, the harder it is, the more uncomfortable it is. So if there's no hope, if, if that's it, um, then what is the point? Uh, go to the point where you can function and until your resources run out and your health deteriorates to the point and then end it. There wouldn't be any reason not to. But we see things very differently. We see this as a critical time for us as Christians of this is the time that we have to prepare for God to prepare us for uh, immortality. And we need to be moving upward. We need to be shedding those things in the past, those sins, those pet little pets that we've never been able to get away with, get rid of that prevent us from having a relationship with Christ, we need to ask him for help to get rid of that stuff. We need to shed it and get it off. Just like whatever that may be, pornography, you got to get your weight under control, you're not making enough income, whatever, you're, you're comfortable, um, get ready for a rough ride. If you are about to put your hand to Christianity right now in this time and space and take it seriously and get on board and join a shield wall with me at the tip of the spear, it's going to be hard. Your family will be attacked. You're, you could uh, experience sicknesses in your family, uh, lots of things, but we don't, it doesn't make any difference because we know the outcome and we know we're on the winning side. The day of being an apolog apologizing for your faith and being a mealy-mouthed, milk-toast, pew-sitting, useless, waste-of-a-man Christian uh, are over. Organized churches, mega-churches, all these things, uh, they can all just go away as far as I'm concerned. It's going to be small groups meeting in homes, people, friends that know each other, that go forward boldly and trust God. Soldiers for Christ, and there's going to be very, very few of us. Big test, you know, the, the whole uh, COVID thing, who decided to do what, uh, we saw a lot right there. We saw who was, cur who was courageous, we saw who was, and who was a sheep. Um, and I don't blame anyone in particular for the decision that they've made. I've had heartbreaking conversations with local guys that were pressured and they gave in. They knew it was wrong. They, they knew the decision that they made was wrong, whatever that may be. I'm not taking a side. And they went against their core beliefs and now they're living with the consequences. So that told us a lot about our fellow people. So if you were wondering when put in your friend group or family group, when the pressure was put on, if you're wondering how they would respond and how they would react, well, you know now. You know who you can count on and who you can't count on. So you can look at that as a, as a great blessing. You know, it's, it's very similar to the story of Gideon. You know, we, we have the story of Gideon. Gideon was a, was, God raised him up to lead, he was a general to lead the, the army of, of God. And he was uh, very reluctant and, and worried because the opposing army was so much bigger. He didn't have enough men, and he was like, God told him to go fight this army, and he's like, bro, I don't know about this. You know, I mean, this is a suicide mission. And he didn't trust God, even though God told him specifically, gave him a mandate. He said, well, I need proof. So I'm going to put a, a fleece out, uh, and I want a, a, a fleece. I'm going off memory here. I'm going to put a fleece. He, he, he basically asked for a miracle. He put a fleece out, which was a, a sheepskin, and at night and said, if uh, everything is covered with dew, everything is wet from the morning dew, and that sheep, that fleece is dry, then I'll know for sure that, that this is from you, and I'll go ahead and, and I won't question you anymore. But I need to see that. Man, real man of faith, right? 
So, of course, he wakes up in the morning and we've got the dry fleece in the wet ground. Well, that wasn't good enough for him. He's thinking that could have been, maybe someone tricked me. You know, who, who knows? You know, may, maybe it was just an anomaly. He goes back to God, I need to see it the other way. I need the wet fleece and the dry grass. And that's what he did, and sure enough. So two days, he's delaying and waiting, and finally God says, okay, we got to, or I'm going to go ahead and do it. So he's getting his army together. Uh, he's got the mandate from God. He's got the wet fleece, dry fleece, uh, and he's going forward, forward. Well, God drops a bomb on him. He says... Have the men, and I don't remember how big the army was, but it was vast, thousands. Have the men go down to the river, and I want you to tell them to drink, uh, to fill up their canteens, fill, fill, if they don't have canteens, drink, whatever, and I want you to watch them. And any man who drinks like an animal, meaning he goes down to the stream and puts his head down in the water and laps water like a dog or an animal, I want you to mentally... Put that, set that man aside in one category. And any man that goes down there and kneels and puts his hand in the water and brings it to his mouth and drinks from the hand, I want you to put him in a second category. What's that all about? What does that mean? So Gideon does that, and he's shocked that only 400 men, I think it was, drank with the hand, and the rest of them all just went down there and threw themselves down and, and drank like animals. God says to Gideon now, all those men that drank like the animals, uh, tell them that uh, if, it's, if they don't want to fight, uh, if they are worried about being outnumbered, because a lot of these guys were conscripted, you know, they didn't have, they weren't trained soldiers, farmers and just common people. He wanted them to, to, to told them that there'll be no shame, there'll be no trouble, you're free to leave, you can go back home. Um, but if you want to fight, you can't. So all that was left of Gideon's army after that little experiment with the drinking was 400 men. Goodness, can you imagine Gideon? Now, if he didn't have enough problem before, now God wants him to go in here with these 400 men. So why? Why this particular weird thing? Well, what God knew and was trying to teach Gideon was that men that would go down and, and that had good situational ethics were most likely, ethics, situational awareness were most likely soldiers. Now, we have to remember the enemy camp is right across the river. They're within shouting distance. They're still in danger. There could be raiding camps. These men are very vulnerable. Animals are very vulnerable when they go down to the water to drink. It's their most vulnerable time. These men went down there and their thirst and their personal comfort was more important than that to them than situational awareness to see what the enemy was going around. The soldiers, the true men that, that Gideon needed that wouldn't back down, that wouldn't break in battle, were smart. They were soldiers. They drank with the hand. So that was God's way of sorting out a very quick way of who had the courage to be a soldier and who had to fight. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of, in, you know, there's a lot more to this story and we could go on and tell it and how the battle was won and the great victory, you know, and the strategy and all that's very interesting. But the point being is that God used a particular circumstance or situation to show the, the general who it was that he could trust, who it was that he could count on when push came to shove and these men needed to show tremendous courage. Because I don't know about you, but I have not been involved with hand-to-hand -hand combat. I can imagine, but I can't experience it. And to go in outnumbered, 400 against thousands, it takes a steady heart to do that. And God knew that the moment that those weaker men started to break and to run, that it would infect the entire army and all would be lost. 
There's so much to the scriptures, gentlemen. These stories that we have are so deep. And if you're just giving it a cursory reading without an understanding and, and a, even maybe an explanation, you know, I take for granted that I understand these things. I understand these stories and how I, 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 can, I can use them to fortify myself and fortify my beliefs and, and, and to help me through difficult situations. Whereas if you don't have these, what are you tethered to? What do you stand for? What do you believe? What is your line that you won't cross? Does it move around according to political winds? Does it move around according to comfort or fear? Or are there certain things in your life that are foundational that you stand for? That's what the Christian man has to have. Are you the man that would drink by the hand? Or are you the man that would forget everything and drink, just drink like an animal? Because that's the type of people God is going to need for the army of God in these last days. Stout, resolute men, leaders of men, men that are willing to go against the grain, men that are willing to stand up for what is right and uh, regardless of what societal pressures are. And to me, and I think a lot of you would agree, that the whole experience with the, the vaccinations and the, the, that whole deal was very much a Gideon moment to me to see who, who fell on what side. We have a super chat from Man Caver Tools. Love these streams. Wrangler Star, shout out to you. Thank you for that. We have a shout out from Cole Hunter who writes, First time here, I would come back for Sabbath service stream. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe it's not any different. But I, I, what do you guys think? And let me send me an email, Cody at WranglerStar.com, with your thoughts, comments, concerns uh, that would be beneficial to the to the stream. Uh, but I'm thinking it would, might, might be a nod to you guys who are well-deserved to our members uh, to make, open that up to you, for you guys to answer. That way we'll have access together uh, and we can cut out a lot of the noise. Now, the problem with that is there's, there's going to be folks that don't have the ability to become members and they want to participate and ask questions and comments as well. But we don't live in a fair world. So you'll have the streams throughout the week to ask those questions and participate. Um, but for the folks that have, are backing and, and pushing from behind and um, forming the rear guard for this channel, that are, that's our members. Uh, and I think just that's kind of think of what I'd like to do, and that could change. We have a super chat from Chad Taller. Shout out to you, Chad. Chad writes, uh, would a second channel geared towards Christ teaching scripture make it easier for yourself? Second, it, it, Maybe it would, maybe it wouldn't, but I'm not going to do that. That's a cowardly way to go. That's, uh, well, I've got the channel that, that makes my income that is, uh, I don't have a lot of religious content on um, that I'm not going to touch that, you know, because I wouldn't want to put my faith out there. That could affect my, my, my pocketbook. Uh, but I'll start this second channel where if something happened to that, you know, I'm not really running any risk. I'm giving out of my abundance rather than giving out of my need, right? So I'm going to take the widow's might approach um, my content will be on one channel, and it'll be what I decide it to be and, and where, where I'm at with this time. And I'm not going to be the man. Not, here I am, pride. Pride and boasting. If it's the Lord's will, uh, I hope not to be the man that folds under pressure. That when, off, when offered... A deal that I can't resist. Now, you guys know how I, I have thought about this and I've dreaded this for a long time, and it very well may not happen, but I have 
dreaded the moment where if and when it's possible, it happened to anyone, you, re you, meet, you, you reach a certain level of, of celebrity or success that you get the call uh, or the invitation to participate in something that would compromise you. Secret societies, um, particular events uh, that are used to control people. Pictures, video, you know, who knows? You put yourself in that environment, what could happen? Uh, we know it takes place. Uh, we know that people have completely sold out for um, fame, wealth, and money. And it's arrogant for any one of us to say, when faced with that opportunity, of course, I'm going to take the high road and I'm not going not to sacrifice my ability to be reunited with God for anything that this world has to offer. But let's be careful. You don't know the situation. What if that offer was brought to you in a cure for a, a it, it could be money could be a cure. Could, money could be a life-saving procedure for a, a child, your, your daughter or son. Uh, that will allow them to live or not live. Um, that, you know, that's the world that we live in. We like to think that every, we have equity and we all receive the same justice and we all receive the same health care and, and, and most people are, are looking out for our best interest. That is not the case. As someone who has not had money and someone who has had money, I can tell you that the food you eat and the care you give and the services and opportunities that are available to you are very, very different. And it's not the same thing. I don't remember where we're going with that, but I lost train of thought. Shout out to you, Troy, our newest member. Let's start this fire. The cat gave up a long time ago. And I've got to get to work, too. I've got to get my breakfast. But back to the clipping, I would, very, I would greatly appreciate anybody that could offer that service. And just tell me what, what it would, uh, what I have to do to make it right, and we'll do it. You just can't, you can't succeed in life without the help of good people. My dad was a, a lone island. You know, he was all about not relying or needing anyone's help and doing everything himself and he did it man to his to his final day he maintained his independence and he had a tremendous fear that I have as well of uh, not being able to provide for your family to be crippled or financially ruined or anything like that I think most of us men live in dread of that because we know in the current society we live in, that us men are looked at by, primarily by women and governments as a utility. They don't care about you. You don't have any, um, very, any, any services. You're not going to have any justice in family courts and divorce courts. Uh, the moment you can't provide and be a utility to provide resources to society and, and a lot of women, uh, you will be discarded. So. That's just the way, that's just the reality. I think it's better to know that than to not know it and to go through life assuming that um, if I'm a nice guy, I'm going to come out on top and win. You don't have to be a nice guy. And you certainly don't have to be a nice guy to be a Christian. That is a fallacy and a lie from the pit of hell. Look at the Old Testament. Look at the New Testament. Look at what men of God did. The old prophets were so feared and so powerful and they were so renowned by the people 
that when they showed up, they would walk from town to town like itinerant preachers. You know, how they used to go, they didn't have a church, they'd go from town to town to preach. Well, these prophets used to do that. When, when the prophet was coming into town, there was always the old men would sit at the gate. This is before internet, right? So you didn't have news and information was critical. So how folks got news in those days is the guys that were retired, you know, guys getting up on my age, you'd go out to the entrance of the city gates because most cities had walls around them and you'd sit on your stool with your fellow men and you would sit there and pass the day and visit. And when a stranger came through, you would ask him, stranger, is there any news? And he would share news from the, wherever he had been. So it was, it was a very important thing uh, to do. What were we talking about? I don't remember. I have so many stories to tell. The, the Bible is vast. I don't even remember what we were talking about. This is going to be a good fire here, gentlemen. If you start it properly, it will work so much better throughout the day. Where's our torch? Bypass on, damper open. I have to say, I, I very much enjoyed today's live stream. This is probably the, the funnest one I've ever done. I remember what we're talking about. Man of God being feared, not, not being a wuss, being a Christian. Yeah, so when the, when the prophet would show up, these men would see him coming off. It's like, oh, here comes the prophet of God. And he, he, he was always alone. They would come out to the city, or come out of the gates and meet him in the path with their hats in their hand and very, very politely and respectfully ask him, uh, man of God, are you here for good or for evil? But to give you an idea, he was one man and he would come into a city and the whole city quivered with fear of this man of God. And I think in the latter days, there are going to be men raised up, prophets of God, teachers of the word, various different vocations, probably coming from places that you didn't expect, uh, that are going to possess these powers in the final days. You know, Christ told us it, it's going to be... When his disciples were marveling about the miracles that he was manifesting. He was feeding people. He was healing, raising the dead. They were, it was incredible to them, absolutely incredible. And he looked to them one day and said, oh, you think these are things are interesting, do you? He goes, I'll tell you the truth. There are men that will be coming. And it was somewhat ambiguous that, you know, he didn't, the dual message that comes from God, I don't know how he does it, but it can apply in, to multiple people. It, it, there are times where it applied the duality of the, of the parable. It can apply to the people at that time right there who he's speaking to and did. And it also can apply to future generations down the, down the path. And what he told them was, you think what I'm doing is cool. You think that this is, this is incredible. Just wait to see what you will be able to do and the men who I will raise up in the last days. I tell you the truth that not only will they do everything that you see me doing, but they'll even do more. So 
That's exciting, right? And that's a cool time to be alive. So you can look at the Christian walk or you can look at the life in this world in two ways in that you can black pill and say that there's no point and we're living in a society that is just running down. Basically, America right now is a corpse uh, that is starting to bloat uh, that uh, all of the people, the rich and the elite, are basically just plundering uh, and it's a massive resource grab. And if you're not doing it or haven't done it, uh, then uh, you will be the majority uh, left out in the cold. I mean, really, that's the way it, it, it kind of feels. Now, once you realize this and you, your whole identity and who you are is America, then you're going to be very disappointed because living in a society or civilization in decline is depressing. It's very depressing. Nothing, nothing, there's no hope in it. Whereas the Christian perspective is very different. Yes, we're living in a society in decline, but this society is never our home, and this is contrary to what we want anyway. I've never been all that happy here. I've never felt like this is where I belong. I couldn't put my finger on it, but I knew, I knew the separation from God was, there, there was nothing in it. All, I, I just, you, could, you could just know. I don't know how else to put words in it. But to, be, to have that to look forward to, you know, no man knows the time or the hour, it said. No, if anyone tells you that they know when the second coming is, that they know when the, when the end of time, when the apocalypse comes, anyone who is writing dates and numbers, and, and just ignore it. No one knows. No one knows. We, we have a few things that we know. We know that Christ will come and lightning will flash from the east to the west. There, there are physical manifestations that will happen so that those of us who are people of faith will not be deceived. But the time we don't know. And this is important too because he's, Christ warns us in these last times there's going to be a lot of deceivers. Be careful that you don't fall prey to them. Be careful that you don't hear something that sounds like faith or sounds like a message from God yet has some truth in it, but also has something that will lead you and lead you away from God. You'll be destroyed. And there's going to be a lot of people that use that because you don't just feed people poison. If you, if you put poison, give them full poison to look at, nobody's going to drink that. But if you add a little poison in something that they normally drink, they'll drink that. So it's all about proportions. We need to know the scriptures because we, for that example, if someone professes to be a Christ, then and they're not doing what is, we're told Christ will do in his second coming, meaning he'll come, we'll see the lightning from the east to the west, that every eye will see him, everyone will see him at the same time, however that's possible, and that his feet won't touch the ground. So we know if someone goes to a football stadium and it's the Antichrist or it is a false prophet or whatever, and he's healing people, and, and you're watching this on TV and thousands of people are witnessing miracles, all of the folks that don't know their scripture and don't know what's going to happen are going to be sucked in by this. They're going to be bamboozled by the miracles. They don't know that these miracles are not coming from God, that these, these are, are, are deceivers that are doing these things. But if we take the scriptures as we know and we're like, oh, Jesus is here. They're saying Jesus is here on the news and on Twitter and everyone. Jesus is here and he's over here in the desert and he's healing. Well, is he here? Well, how come I didn't see him? How come we didn't hear the great shout that will bring in, that all ears will hear, that will bring in the second coming? How come this man that's supposed to be Jesus is walking around on this astroturf? Regardless of what he's doing or how it may look or what the deception is, those of us who know the book will know that that is not him. Uh, and we won't follow him. We won't bow to that. But he, God warns us also that that so 
convincing will this deception be, or these deceptions be in the final days, that if God didn't come and cut it short, that even his very own people, his very elect, the one that he's sealed and is secure against the judgment, even his own people will be deceived. That's how tricky it's going to be. So be vigilant. That's why I think you know, the, the movement to a lot of folks getting away from alcohol and, and drunkenness and these things are important because a man more than ever right now needs to be on his guard. You need to be a soldier of Christ vigilantly watching for anything that would come into your house and destroy your family. Because fan, family is the underpinning of society. There is no point of anything else. Once the family is deteriorated and traditional family destroyed, then there is no society. And that's why it's under attack. So we're not getting it back. Um, no, no politicians bringing it back. This is the new decline. This is the coming, the, you know, the, the bringing in, the, the ushering in of the, of the new era. And is it the second coming? I don't know. It doesn't make any difference. Our job is to fight and prepare and get ready for it, to occupy until he comes. That's what we do. And I'm, I'm excited about it. But being called to the ministry and taking on that responsibility, and I, I will really close with this, is not something to be taken lightly. That means how many talents have you been given if God calls you to go teach his people? And what if thousands or hundreds are fledgling Christians are turned away because they put their faith in a, a, a non-perfect man or put their faith in me, for example, and, and I commit a great sin. And they would be justified to say, look and see, just like always, another, there, there's your so-called Christian. There's nothing to it, just like I thought. So the weight of that, of the, the effect, how much effect for the positive that you can have as an influencer or a person with an audience for God the responsibility that comes with that is, j just to think about it, is not something that I think any man would, would want. It, to, to take that on, you'd have to be a moron. Uh, so I'm reluctant to do that. And it's, I'm not even saying that I, that I am being, this is all going wrong. I, I hope you understand where I'm coming from. I, 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 I don't, hopefully I don't have to do it. But what we can do, is a Sabbath live stream. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> we could do that. Yeah, and if God wants to take that to a, the next level, um, well, he can, he can tell me and, and we'll, we'll worry about that later. All right, gentlemen. Well, uh, I have, uh, I'm going to clo close this down, shut it down. I have not given uh, a thank you to those of you guys who have been uh, so faithful moderating. Uh, controlling the comments that without that I wouldn't have the ability to do it so I appreciate that thank you for doing that um, any of you that can help uh, with the clip cuts the timestamps are very helpful I don't know the stream is super long uh, so to, to be able to clip those of anything of value I don't know if there is of anything of value but uh, you would be in a better position to know than me uh, send that off to me I would appreciate that and uh, that's it so I'm gonna go get some breakfast We'll uh, get the, our Hudson Bay, everything started, get the generator out, everything fired up, make sure we have our cords. Um, I'll get some, some of that for you guys, kind of see where we're at.
probably not very produced, but we'll do, we'll do what we can. I will take the Starlink. I've never tried to use the Starlink satellite away from the home. We do have the RV version. So if that works, then there's a good chance that we'll be uh, streaming. But there's a lot of moving parts. I have to race and set up my pit and do the live stream. So we'll see. Thank you for watching. May God bless you and your families. Please keep us in your prayers. And we'll see you guys over on the next video.